1: Hi, and welcome to Love's a Pitch, a podcast where I talk to people about their love lives and what they're looking for, try to make some connections in the queer community, and sometimes end up making a new friend for myself. I'm your host, Carolyn Bergier, and that is what happened with this week's guest. I had so much fun interviewing this person that we immediately made plans to hang out. And since recording this, that hangout actually happened and I can confirm, maybe I should do this with everybody that I haven't met before, is meet them. And then I can let you know, verified, a great catch. So let's get right into it. Today, I'm here with Phil Corin. Okay. Phil, I am so excited to be talking to you today, uh, as I said, when we got on the Zoom. But I'm going to say it again now. This is very exciting. I think you do a lot of great stuff. Thanks for coming to Love's a Pitch.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, you know, I I had to think to myself, am I ready to pitch myself publicly? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> let's do this. And
1: if you're not, it's too late. No. Uh... <laughs>
2: <laughs> true. True that. True that.
1: <laughs> well, before we get into your pitch, Phil, how do you identify?
2: So I identify as non-binary. I I consider myself of trans experience. I you know, I don't necessarily call myself trans, but I am of trans experience. Um, I am more masculine leaning on the non-binary spectrum. But you know what? I just like being called Phil. You know, <laughs> if, if you need an identifier, I can give you one, but just call me Phil. Great. All right. Well, with that, let's get into your pitch. Okay. So I thought about this pitch a little bit because I was like, I don't know how to pitch myself. And what I decided was, is I would think about what my friends would say about me. I feel like that's a good way to approach this. So I think my friends would say about me that I'm kind. I'm funny. I'm wise. I have an open heart. I'm very warm. I can be a bit rigid. I can be a bit rigid. Um, I think that's my Capricorn nature. We have to grow into things. But the good news about my rigidity is that I am aware of it and I am working at it. You know, I'm working on it and I'm doing a lot better at pushing myself. And I've seen situations where I've been rigid and softened a little bit and found so much growth on the other side of that. So I'm doing a lot better at being more of a flexible human. <laughs> I think something that anyone that knows me would say about me is that I'm always on a quest to, to learn more about myself. I'm a human that is really Interested in understanding myself and evolving and up leveling as a human as as just my personal development is a huge part of my life and if you like talking about personal development, if you like asking yourself questions and you know being aware of who you are and how you exist in the world, I think you'll love talking to me because that's that's where I live. I live in the deep end of the pool where it's just like, oh my goodness, you know my parental sort of like influence has influenced me in this way and i want to shift that i'm always thinking about how i can be better how i can you know exist in the world in a better way and not just for myself but for others i think they would also say that i'm somebody who <laughs> everyone knows this about me i love birds i get lots of laughs when i talk about the birds birds are my are my jam okay i love birds birds of all sizes, shapes. Yes, give pigeons a break. They are birds too. <laughs> I love I love birds, I love nature. And I think I would say that I'm really I'm a really good communicator. I love to communicate with people. I love to when I'm dating someone have experiences with them and again try to push myself into things that might feel uncomfortable at first, but uh, you know, I try to grow into. And I think the last thing I say is like I'm the person that most of my my people come to when they want good advice. I'm always happy to give advice, and I think I give very good advice. But I, like I mentioned before, since I'm also someone who wants to learn, I don't want to be the person who, when I'm in a relationship with someone, is just teaching. I want to make sure that I can learn as well. Like, I, want to, I always want to dance in my relationships, right? It's like, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, you take care of me. I take care of you. I want a flow and a dance and a nice ease in my relationships.
1: Wow. Phil... I love all of this. There's so much here. In addition to all the stuff that you mentioned before the interview that I want to talk about,
2: we only have an hour.
1: <laughs> I know. Where do I start? I, I kind of want to start with birds. I think that's a, so there's a, a diking out episode that's all about birds. It's diking out about birds. My wife and I, we love birds. And we just got back from Disney. So we were in Disney to surprise my nephews who were there. And we thought it'd be fun to just show up. And at Animal Kingdom, there are so many birds. And there's like a bird show. And the birds are trained. And they're just fascinating fascinating creatures. Oh my
2: God. That's my happy place. Yes. I just feel like birds don't, I think people do, do not give them the due they deserve. Birds are fascinating. They're so intelligent. They're intelligent yes. animals. That it, and their intelligence involved differently than ours did, but they're still super intelligent. It's just, it's it's like... What's your favorite bird? I think I love the Northern um, Cardinal. Like, you know, everyone, I'm sure people have seen it. It's, yeah. like, it's like a bird, right? It's like... The males are red and the, and the females are brown. I think it's because I had a period in my life where I was actually feeding one that it sort of became a pet. So I was living in Prospect Heights and I decided to put some birdseed out in my windowsill and I started to get all these birds. And I realized I was getting the same sort of family of birds over and over again. So this bird and I developed this relationship to the point where he decided, he and his wife decided, it was okay to leave their young on my windowsill while they just foraged all day. And I was working from home at the time and I was like, "Guys, you cannot leave your kids here." <laughs> they cried all day long. I can't feed them and now I have to listen to it all day long. Guys, you yeah, can't. Yeah, you're
1: it. you're not unpaid childcare. What what's going on, birds? That's right.
2: <laughs> I became a surrogate parent to a freaking bird and <laughs> without consent, they just left these birds there. It was really crazy. That's so funny.
1: My wife was trying to train a blue jay in our backyard. And she was leaving these peanuts out for it. And I was getting really anxious about it because I'm like, I don't like the idea of you leaving peanuts outside because the bird's not the only thing that's going to get them. Then I started finding these peanuts in other places in the yard. And then I found the peanuts hidden away in places in our house. You know what that means? And it was attracting mice and the mice were taking the peanuts. And I'm like, that's it? you're not a Disney princess. You're not training the birds.
2: Project Feed Blue Jay is ended.
1: I know. But now that (laughs) she just saw that bird show, she's like, I'm going to start training them again. I'm like, no, those are professionals. (laughs) Please don't. Yeah, you're going
2: to have, you're going to have a problem in your hands. And also Blue Jays are notoriously like aggressive. The birds, those, those got are not birds them? to play with. I've seen blue jays attack cats. Oh, gosh. So I just want you to know, just be careful. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to have to relay that information. Yeah, so now you know. Just be careful. Pick pick a less aggressive bird if, you, if you're going to go for it.
1: So you also mentioned being rigid, and you attribute that to being a Capricorn. I'm also a Capricorn. Oh, uh, sorry if I've offended you. No, I just said I was curious because I guess I've never thought of not to make this about me, but I've never thought of myself as being rigid. But I want you to expand on that because maybe I'm going to realize something about myself here.
2: <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think all Capricorns are rigid. I, did, okay. I definitely think that there is this. Sort of uh, I guess misconception that capricorns in general are rigid i don't think they are all rigid. I think that I have happened to have some capricorn rigidity in me in that it just takes me a minute to grow into something that is unfamiliar and new, but it becomes a problem when as I mentioned earlier, when you want to be someone who grows and is changing and 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 really embraces that, you have to push past the rigidity to get to that you know some of the a lot of the growth and a lot of what you A lot of the reward is on the other side of the rigidity. So while I I have to push past that, I still have it there. And, you know, I watched myself. I mean, one of the things I should mention is that I am 54 years of age, right? So it's not like I'm a new person. (laughs) I have lived 54 years. I know myself. I know that I can tend to shut down an idea that is, you know, might be good for me at first. And then I have to stop for a minute and be like, wait a minute, actually... Should should I just should I just soften a little bit and like like consider this? And I found that every time I do that, there's some wonderful growth there, incredible growth. So yeah, yeah. Not everyone every Capricorn's rigid, but I can tend to be at times.
1: My co-host on Diking Out was also a Capricorn, and I feel like if she was listening to this, she'd be like Carolyn, you're rigid because <laughs> 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 she would always <laughs> suggest these changes. I'm like, no, it's not broken. Let's you know. Why, why make a change if it's not broke? But then, like, eventually, I'd be like, you know what? You're right. Let's give it a try.
2: <laughs> Listen, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it does keep you safe in some respect. But in sometimes, you have to just be like, okay, yeah. I gotta stop. I gotta, I gotta push past this.
1: And in terms of personal development, what have been some of the most helpful
2: tools for you? Like, is there a certain book that really changed things? No, I think for me. Personal development, a lot of how it came to unfold for me is, I think, is meditation. I think meditation, which is this period of the day where I get to stop everything, not, you know, not, not have my phone in front of me or my computer or, you know, I'm not engaging with the world in any way and I just sort of go inward. I feel like that's kind of where a lot of my understanding, my learnings have come from. It makes me more attuned to when I'm walking through the world, something I need to pay attention to that is going to contribute to that personal development. I think meditation has like made all the difference. Meditation and sort of some sort of spirituality has really changed how I, how much I've learned about myself and how easy it is to learn about myself.
1: And is there a
2: certain type of meditation that you do? Like, do you listen to an app? I can tell you, for me. I can go between sometimes just sitting in quiet, like in a quiet space by myself, and then sometimes I like guided meditations, like when I'm trying to like work on something, manifestations and things of that sort. So it can go back and forth. It really just depends on where I am in the day. And I think that it's just, I have a routine in the morning that really, I think, lends itself to all of this. And it it involves like, you know, waking up, meditating, journaling, and then maybe working out. Like, I feel like all of that is my meditation. Yes. Love a morning routine. That sounds great. I see. This is where I get very Capricorn. I'm like, don't mess with that routine. (laughs) The entire thing is like a Jenga. You just pull that one slot out. It's like everything's going to start toppling. So if you're dating someone, they need to respect the morning routine. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I've had a conversation about this recently and I realized that again, this is where you have to have a little like balance because it's like you can't be super rigid about the routine all the time. Right, you have to understand that like, you know, if you're dating someone, you may find yourself in a situation where you can't adhere to the routine here and there. But again, I'm also 54, and that means something a little different from somebody who's younger because I need the routine not just for my sanity and for, you know, like I mentioned personal development, I also need it for health. So, it's really important to me that I don't I don't stray from it too often because it is keeping me healthy. I have like diseases in my family that I have to be very aware of, like high blood pressure and diabetes on both sides of my family. And when you get older, it's like you can't get away with it as, as you know, the drinking and the hanging out and all that. You can't get away with that as well as you could when you were younger. So the routine is in place for a number of reasons. And <laughs> although I'm willing to, you know, stray from it here and there, I, I do want to make it the, the rule and not the exception.
1: Yeah. So if there's a cutie in your bed in the morning and she wants to cuddle with you, at what point do you start getting anxious and thinking, I really need to be journaling right now?
2: This is a really good question. <laughs> you are asking great questions. Okay. I mean, I've had to deal with this. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna lie. If this cutie in my bed, the journaling goes out the window. <laughs> That goes out the window. This is why I'm like... You have your priorities straight. (laughs) Oh, I do have my priorities straight. I mean, come on. You know, it's like I I can go through long stretches of being single. So when I am with somebody, I'm just like, okay, got to find that balance. Maybe no journaling today. (laughs) It'll happen tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, with that, let's talk about your dating journey.
1: What's been going on?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I reached out to you in the show, I mentioned that I recently did a dating workshop. And I think that I got to a place in my journey where I was like, you know what, I need to think about how I've been dating and how it hasn't been working for me. Like, I I realized that maybe there was something I wasn't doing that was working, right? I mean, otherwise, maybe would I be single? Would I not be dating? I was online. I, I followed this one woman who's a dating coach, and she's incredible. Francesca Hoagie, who is awesome, just awesome. She's like a dating coach. And I signed up for her mailing list and I saw I would get all these these mailings from her. And one mailing was like 60-day love activation. And it's for people who just weren't dating. Like these are specifically, it's specifically targeted to people who just were like, no, dating, no. And I think I was there. I think I was just like, absolutely not. After that last relationship I was in, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this I may never do this again. I may have to opt out of this. I mean, I just want to unsubscribe from dating. Right? Dating was a mailing list. I am unsubscribing possibly for life. I was just like, no. And after some time passed, I realized, okay, is that realistic? Like, am I really just never going to date again? Like, come on, Phil, like, do better, right? Do better. <laughs> and so I, I saw this mailing, and I, had, I think it just came through at the right time. It came through at a time when I was willing to be more... Um, to look at myself and be like, wow, why why did I just stop dating? Like, why did I just I remove that from my life? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to join this dating workshop. Maybe there's something to learn here. Maybe there's something that I can understand about what I'm doing wrong and why I feel so adamant about staying away from dating. And I have to tell you, it was just, like, incredible. I feel like I learned so many things. Even the first session we had, I had to think about the beliefs I had about dating. I had to think about, like, some of the sort of like background programming that was just running, you know like subconsciously running in my head so completely different to what I actually wanted because if I was honest with myself, of course I wanted to date, of course, I wanted to be in relationship and being in partnership, but it was just like I was staying away from it, and yeah. I had to start to ask myself, why was I doing that, and what. What was making me so, like, here's the thing. I think if you decided you didn't want to date and you were like, yeah, no, dating's not for me right now. It's fine. But if you go, if you speak about dating in this way where you're so passionately against it, then you have to be like, mm, what's going on? Bro, you got to, <laughs> something's up here. <laughs> you got to ask some questions. And I think that's what happened. I realized that I was being so adamant and so, like, like, old man with like, no, no dating. Like, this really like shutting it down. And I was like, oh, no, that's something that's about something.
1: Was there something that it sounds like there is an underlying issue that that you were uncovering? But was there something that kind of flipped the switch for you? Like what was it just like one bad date too many? Was it a breakup? Yeah,
2: I think it was a breakup. And I think it was um, a breakup. But it was it's interesting because at the time of the breakup, I didn't feel that badly. I was like, okay, so this is ending. It is what it is. But I think it was after that breakup, I had time to sit with, like, what had happened in that relationship. And I was like, oof, something didn't work out there. And it wasn't good. And I I, I felt like there were parts of the relationship that um, when I look back, I was like, this is a problem. Like, this is a problem that I have to look at. Like, there were things about this person that I was with, I felt like they said things and I, I don't want to use the word attack, but they said things that, that were to me I felt a little offensive about parts of myself that I myself was not owning. So I feel like what I learned in that relationship is that if you don't, if you go into a relationship and there are parts of yourself that you decide are not good enough, you want to just dis- distance yourself. Like, I feel like we all have parts of ourselves that some parts of ourselves that we really embrace and we love and, we like, and you'll be like, oh, this is what I'm like. But there are other parts that we're just not as comfortable with. We're not happy owning those parts. If you don't own those parts, those parts are open and vulnerable to being attacked or hurt. And so when I left that relationship, I realized there were some parts of me that I wasn't mm. owning that got hurt. Yeah. And I had to reclaim them. I had to bring them back in and be like, no, no, it's, this is a package deal. And there are some parts that I have a problem with, but I still have to love it. I still have to own it and love it and bring it in. So that was... That's why I was like, no dating after that, because I was like, really trying to understand that. And it, was
1: this workshop, is it one-on-one coaching, or is it like a group of people?
2: It's a group of people. I mean, she does one-on-one coaching, and I, I think she may have stopped doing that, but this is a group of people who are also just not, un, you know, just trying to understand why they weren't dating. Yeah. And I, I think we we just, we're sort of ending, the we're at the end of the workshop now, and I remember... Being on the call the other day and being like, wow, these people – like, I've seen these people for now almost 60 – not 60 days, but I guess it's over the course of, like, eight weeks, right? And they're so different. Yeah. Like, I saw the difference in them. Like, everyone is just different. They're just – they've just softened. They seem lighter. Like, you s- I could see the change. Any cuties? No, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like <laughs> – these, listen, by the way, this is online. OK, so I'm like, I don't know where these people are. Uh, like, no, I don't think anyone's thinking like that. Everyone's just like, no, we have to learn how to that's love That's where again. my mind goes.
1: I feel like luckily my parents were cool with me being gay. But had had I been sent to like conversion therapy, I would have been like, all right, where are the cuties? <laughs> like any, any group you put me in, I'm just scanning
2: the room being like, all right. I'm not mad. <laughs>
1: I'm not mad.
2: I mean, listen, you're, you're, you're married, but you still have eyes. It's totally fine. I, I get it. <laughs> So
1: what was the biggest change that you saw in yourself
2: through this? I just realized how false some of my beliefs were. I was, that was a bit shocking. It was a bit shocking. Like beliefs about yourself or about dating? I think about myself more so than dating, but about myself. Like one of the things that, that, you know, she would say at the beginning was like, you know, there's opportunities everywhere. I was like, what? I mean, come on. Opportunities everywhere today. And it was. I think it was must have been the second week we were in a dating workshop, and I was walking down the street in in my neighborhood, and I was walking past this woman, and she was checking me out. I, I saw her checking me out. I was like, and I'm not somebody who's just gonna be like, everyone's checking me out. This one was definitely checking me out. Yeah. So, so she's walking towards me, and I watched her looking at me, but I watched her trying not to look at me. And I I remember thinking to myself, okay, so this is interesting. She looked at me, but then she's looking away, and she's just. I'm just watching her, but I'm observing her from the standpoint of like a podcast host, per se, like something like that. Like, this is so interesting. Human behavior. Like I became David Attenborough, like for some reason (laughs) and was like humans in the wild checking people out. So what I realized about myself in that moment was like instead of being in the moment with that woman and just smiling at her, I got outside of the moment I started analyzing the moment instead of being in the moment. Right. And if I hadn't, before the workshop, I wouldn't have realized I was doing that. And I must have done that many times. Yes. Just walking on the street. So I was like, just smile. It's not that deep. You don't have to be David Attenborough. <laughs> Nobody needs to be watching BBC right now. Just smile.
1: So if that happened again, let's say, you know, tomorrow, same thing happens. Let's say it's the same woman. Would you stop to you know, make conversation,
2: maybe? I mean, I might, but I, I would smile. Yeah. I would at least smile. I would just give her, like, being baby like, steps. I see what you're doing, girl. I <laughs> see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I would give her the side smile. Yeah. You know, it's like, it works. It works yeah. for me. <laughs> it's worked in the past. So I would give her the side smile and she would just probably, and she would probably freak out because she was having a hard time. Like, I could see it. She was really trying not to be in that, like, I saw her. She was really trying not to be doing what she was doing. But I'm like, listen, it's
1: happening. Let's just let it happen. It's fine. How were you meeting people before in terms of the people you've dated?
2: Well, I always meet people usually in person. I don't do dating apps. That's the other thing. So that's the other thing that I wanted to mention from, you know, in the workshop. I was just like, is it okay if I don't date online? And she was like, sure. But you have to meet people in person, right? I don't like dating apps. I don't. I just do not like them. I don't think I represent myself best on dating apps. And I feel like I'm just better in person. I mean, with the pandemic, that became a lot harder. But like, you know, it's just for me, it's just better in person. I feel like the dating apps put a layer of like, I don't know what you're going to be like when I see you. Like, we can talk, we can talk, we can do all this thing. But when we see each other, like, what's that like?
1: Yeah, I feel like any time that I've met someone off an app, and and not in a bad way, but it's never what I think it's going to be. Like, there's always these assumptions that you have, even in terms of, like, what they're going to look like, what their vibe is going to be. And then you can meet them and it's like their voice is something that you weren't expecting or their demeanor, their energy
2: yes. or something. Yes. And I think energy is a big part of that because it's just like, yeah. you don't really know what energy you're getting until you, you're right in front of someone. And for me, I right. just, it's just much better that, like, you meet me out. I'm with, like, people. I'm, I'm in a, in a very you know, me state, just being naturally me. And I just like that better. I just, I cannot do dating apps. I will not. I will not. <laughs> I will not.
1: <laughs> and how has dating changed for you over the decades?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, ugh, this is about to get problematic, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I think, I have to say, I feel like it's a little harder to find the date, that, what I'm looking for. I like femininity. I like femme women. I, it's just my thing. It's what I like. I, I've always liked it. I think that now there's a lot, a lot of folks are non binaries, A lot of people are, like, there's, I know we're erasing gender. Get it. Let's do it. That's fine. But, like, I will always, at the end of the day, really just embrace loving femme women. Like, that is what I like. And I think that's gotten harder. I feel like it's harder to find them. I'm like, where are they? It's like an endangered species. Where are they?
1: That's so funny because I feel like so many more people are fluid, not just with gender, but with their sexuality, Where, as I think there's a lot more femme women because so many more women are bisexual. And in my experience, most bisexual women lean femme. So I love what you're saying.
2: but I will say this I think so then that's a me problem right because it's like I it's not that I wouldn't I think in the past I would have been very um careful about dating a bisexual woman I think now I think I'd be a lot more open to I think there was a time when I was like no no no, this person like I'm not sure if I want to get into partnership with this person what is it going to be like but I feel like that's it's a pretty ignorant uh standpoint to take actually and I feel like I've Opened up in that, but I don't know where the even know where the bisexual women are. I'm like, where are where are they? <laughs> I'm like, please make yourself known. <laughs> I would love to see. Yeah,
1: it. that's the other thing with. I mean, all of the bisexual women that I've dated or hooked up with, I want to say has been through apps because. And and like from what I know through conversations with my friends who are bisexual and everything, so many, like a high percentage of bisexual women are partnered with men, right? Because... It's just easier because they're not, they might not be used to being the ones who ask women out. They might be worried of like how they're perceived in the queer community. There's like a lot of anxiety for them around that. They're not sure how to find other like queer women, that kind of stuff. Whereas men are out there, you know, salivating and... uh, You know, sh- shoot, shooting their shot from from their car windows. Uh, <laughs> You're so right. So, <laughs> so it's like easier. Men will shoot their shot anywhere. Wow, it's fascinating. You know, one time I was at a red light <laughs> and my window was down. And these guys on a, a patio at the bar on the corner... Yell out to me and they're like, Hey, come join us. And I'm like on my way to work and I get to work and I ask this guy, Jim, that I worked with, who was just like the dudest of dudes, just like a typical, just like dad football watch, you know. And I'm like, Jim, you got to explain this to me. Do these guys really think I'm going to be like, you know what? Forget where I'm going. I'm going to pull over and join these men. And he said, look, if it works one out of a hundred times, that's great. Then it worked. It doesn't hurt them at all if you keep driving. Worst case scenario, you know, you just drive off. Best case scenario,
2: you join them. (laughs) Honestly, Jim, I think Jim's answer was dead on. Yeah. (laughs) If it works one time out of a hundred, let's just keep it going. (laughs)
1: Right, right. So that's what I think with, like, guys who, who catcall and, and things like that. It's like, Fascinating. you know what? Fascinating. There's, what is it, a, a lid for every pot, and maybe some some women, you know, respond to the catcall, and it just takes that one time.
2: Well, listen, you know what? I So I've dated, you know, I've dated girls who've dated guys, right? Yeah. And the, one of the first conversations we have is just, like, how... Usually, I mean, I, I don't want to say this is a general, this is a rule, but like the ones I've dated, it's usually this this conversation of like how much cooler it is to be dating me because <laughs> I treat them with respect. <laughs> and I'm right, like, well, right. geez, that's like a basic thing with everyone I date. And a lot of the queer people I know are like that. But it's just so interesting because I'm always like, I, it's hard because I'm just like, I don't want you to think that what I do is special and right. great. Like, I don't want you, I just, I don't want that to happen. I'm like, you need to know that this is not social <laughs> grade. great. This is baseline. <laughs> right, right. And it's only going to get better from here. <laughs> like, like, this is baseline. I just want you to know that. This is not, like, amazing baseline. <laughs> That's always an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's tough because you don't want to, you know, stereotype any group. And, of course, there are plenty of toxic queer folks and like people who treat people awfully. And we hate that. But it is something that, that you notice, or at least also like, you know, I have my share of queer friends who tend to their type is, uh, quote unquote, straight women. So they'll often be like the first woman that, that somebody's dated. And They will always comment how their girlfriends are always like so used to like having to play games or so used to thinking the masculine person in the relationship doesn't have emotions or doesn't know how to express them. So it's always like this weird conditioning that they have that they feel like they have to kind of like work to undo
2: and be like, no, no, you don't have to do that with me. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, you. I mean, maybe there's there's an episode here where you just focus on that because <laughs> I think I want to hear that. I just want to hear all the things and like right. hear all of the sandpoints on this because it's fascinating. It's it's a yeah. really interesting topic that I don't think people are talking about enough.
1: Yeah. So, what's your type? Your ideal type? If you were on a dating app and you had to fill out, let's say some put some filters on this.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I think definitely. Been presenting, right? That's that's big for me. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it really is somebody that is kind of good for that dance that I sort of mentioned. So first of all, before anything, I have to say this, and I know it's weird that I have to say this, but I feel like I've had dated people in the past that I couldn't believe were like this. Like you have to have basic kindness. You have to be a kind person. I, I cannot do people who are not kind, that is, like, such a deal breaker for me. Like, you have to treat people well. Yeah. You you must do that, okay? And I know that it's weird that I have to say that, but, like, I feel like I've been with people in the past where it's just like, are you serious right now? Are you, like, you must treat everyone, everyone. Random strangers, you know, I mean, you I get having a bad day. I get people, you know, pissing you off. That's a different thing. But you must, as a general rule, just be a kind person. Like, please, like, treat people respectfully. I think that's big for me. I think also... In terms of age, I don't like age is is pretty open for me. You know, I, I can't go super super young, but I feel like it's always about how the energy plays together. So, I would think somebody who has similar energy to me, somebody who's like warm and open-hearted is is big. And also somebody who is very self-aware, like somebody who understands who they are. They know who they are, they can communicate that. They're not finding it out <laughs> along the way. I mean, we we're, we're all finding things out, but I mean, somebody who has a basic good understanding of who they are because I've dated people who didn't. And what I found was what they thought they didn't understand what it is they wanted. Right. They, they were finding it out in, in surprise as I was. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like we were finding out together. I'm like, what? You don't know? Like you didn't know this. So I think somebody who's very self-aware is, is big. Um, I like people who are, who like to, who have like to, who love laughter and fun and you know new experiences and travel and like a good meal? I enjoy a good meal you know and some and some live music I think th- those things would be high on my list. What kind of live music do you like to see uh to be honest with you i don't i don't like big concerts, so yeah, I love going to a classical concert like I love doing that like it is like the thing one of the things that like just makes my heart just like burst open i just something about a good classical concert is great you know like like a jazz concert i mean i i'll go see singer songwriters and and various things but it just needs to be on a smaller scale i just don't like large concerts It just like drives me nuts i don't like large crowds in general
1: right especially in new york I mean,
2: to go to a large, there's nothing enjoyable about it. <laughs> no, it's not. It just stresses me out. Yeah. It's like, when are we getting out? I'm <laughs> just not enjoying it. But when I'm in a smaller scale, like I know that um, for a while I was going to a lot of the candlelight concerts. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they're at churches yeah. and they're so nice. It's just, I went to some incredible concerts where um, they're like, you know, quartets or various things. I, I just, I like a smaller concert, just something intimate. It, it the, the genre, doesn't matter as much. I mean, I, I'm not so big into country or, you know, bluegrass or any of that stuff. But pretty much almost anything else, just on a smaller scale, is great. Do you have a go-to
1: date spot, like a restaurant that you like to go to?
2: I don't think I do right now. And I think that I'm still exploring some places. But I really do love a speakeasy vibe. Like, I love, a like, a saddle up to bar, nice lighting like I love that kind of experience and, and just getting to know someone. Like I love the idea of just being like quality time, like really having a a, a nice intimate place to talk. So I, I feel like there are a lot of places in New York that are like that. But I haven't I can't say I have an actual go to at this point.
1: There is a bar I will recommend. They call it a speakeasy to me. It's not like a real spe there's no like knocking on the door and saying the password or anything like this. But <laughs> Where is it? As a queer person, it's it's in the West Village. And it's called uh, Do Not Disturb,
2: and oh, it's right I've been by. There. You've been there. I have many years ago, so long ago. It's been a while since I've been. That place was great. Yeah, so it's right by the Cubby Hole,
1: and they, I think they just like redid it recently. But uh, my wife and I were like, so, so it's still there. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I were leaving the Cubby Hole, and this queer mask person was sitting just kind of sitting on the steps I didn't even know there was a bar there and they were smoking a joint and I kind of gave them the nod like yeah we're queer too you know and (laughs) and they were like hey do you want to check out my speakeasy (laughs) I said okay so they took us downstairs and like gave us a tour and gave us drinks on the house and it was so nice, and now I'm I'm recommending it to everybody because if the date doesn't go well, just go over to Cubbyhole and see see what's happening there.
2: Oh, wait, wait, is it? But is it run by a queer person?
1: I don't know who runs it. This person was just a bartender. I shouldn't say just a bartender, but but oh, they were I don't, I don't they were know, working as a bartender yeah. there. But they seemed like very involved. Like they helped
2: create the menu, create some of the drinks and stuff. So that is my next date spot. Then I, I didn't even know that was still around, and I am so I'm. That is that is my vibe. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it was, like, good music, you know, like, good, like, sexy lighting and stuff. So, so I recommend that one.
2: <laughs> uh, that is my vibe. Nice. So that is going on my – that's something at to the top of my list right now. So Great. thank you for that.
0: <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast –
2: the thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is
0: dungeons and dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis. O'Hanian in my podcast, business dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about rain's advice to play D and D with your kids. Business dad is available now. So be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: what's the longest relationship that you've been in
2: okay so i was married for several years uh we were married for probably like like 10 years but i feel like the relationship itself was about 18 years wow oh
1: yeah no
2: i was in a long-term partnership like i I really i didn't think i would be single ever again. Like this was a long, I mean, I met this person when I was like 28 and it ended, I would say like five, five, six years ago.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was, it was a while. That's, that's a very long span of time. Right. So a lot of growth, a lot of, you know, I, I, am such a different person from when I was in that relationship. And even from the five years or five, six years that relationship ended. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Do you keep in touch with your ex at all? I did say I was 54. Um, n- no, not, not, I mean, no, we're not friends in that way. Like, I had to d- get some things from her recently, and, you know, it's it's cordial, but, like, we're not, we're not in each other's lives that way, and that's fine. We don't need to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, same with me and my, I also have an ex-wife, but I, <laughs> me being like, wow, because for... It didn't last that long. (laughs) But yeah, sometimes I do think about how different my life is now than when I got together with that
2: person. And it's just like living two very different lives. It was, I mean, for me, I came out as being non binary at the end of that relationship. So I had a lot of very, like, huge change, huge transitions at the end of that relationship. A lot of things changed you know, the marriage being one of the biggest ones, but a lot changed for me. So I am a completely different person from when I was in that relationship. It's like it's night or day really is.
1: So you mentioned you've been going out on dates now since you started the workshop. How's that going?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I have been dating and it's been going really nicely. I feel like I'm really enjoying it. It feels different because I feel like I'm approaching it differently. It feels more expansive in a sense because I feel like I'm approaching it with less, I, I think, to use my, one of my favorite words, rigidity. <laughs> I'm approaching it with less rigidity. I'm trying to be a little more open. I feel like I'm softer in my approach. And it's nice. It's, it's really nice. I mean, it just feels nice to be out and about and feeling. I, I feel what's changed is like I feel dateable. I didn't feel dateable at one point and I feel dateable. And that has changed a lot. It's it's a weird thing to say that you would like, you can feel dateable or not feel dateable. I feel dateable right now. Love that. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a nice change. (laughs) Do you go out to queer spaces to meet people? Are you going to bars or events or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I have been doing that. I I went to a couple of sweet dating events recently, um, and you know it's interesting. I, I I like going to speed dating events. I, I I don't think there are a lot of people who enjoy speed dating. And I'm like I like it because I like talking to people. I I don't have to walk in there and feel like I need to walk out with dates. I yeah. Can just I mean I walked out with friends one of, one of my first speed dating events, and it was just nice to be there with other queer people. I I've been locked away during the pandemic because I was living with a. immunocompromised family members. I hadn't been out a lot during the pandemic. So now that I'm back out, which is my natural state, because I was out all the time before the pandemic, it's just nice to be in queer spaces again. So I'm just picking that back up now and being in spaces. And I really enjoy being around my community. I just, I love it. It's fun for me. I can be in those spaces with not feeling like I have to be dating or have to be you know, getting someone's number and just being in the space and enjoying it, and that feels great, yeah, that was
1: something too, coming out of the pandemic was realizing how much time I hadn't been spending in queer spaces. And once we got vaccinated, it's like, let's change that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I missed it so much, and I I didn't even realize it myself, but I have stopped. I had stopped going out. you know, I just I just needed to be safe. But now I'm back out there. (laughs) I'm trying not to be too crazy, but I am back out there again.
1: Now, some of the people listening are, I mean, I think most of them are thinking, gee, I really love hearing Phil talk. Well, you're a podcaster. We haven't (laughs) talked about that yet. Can we talk about that a
2: little bit? Of course. Of course. Yeah. So I am a podcaster. Um, I, I did a podcast for four years called Transition of Style. That was my podcast about gender identity and personal style. And that was my baby. I did that for four years. And it was, we had guests on that we talked about gender identity and style and how those two things interact. So it was it was a yes. great jumping off point for me to y- host the community to talk about these things, but also for me to like hone my skills as someone who was an interviewer, right? And who yeah. interviewed people. And then I also started to do, I'm from Driftwood, as you know, with uh, Andy Egan Thorpe and Alex Berg, who are some awesome humans. Yes, for sure. Did that for a while. And I also now do audiobook narration. So I use my voice quite a bit. My podcasting right now is more on the production side, but I'm using my voice a little more in audiobook narration, more than hosting at this point. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that.
1: I love that. And how would you describe your style?
2: Oh, the way I dress? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I feel like I, I'm i sort of re-exploring that right now. I think for a while I was really big on like suits and like dressing. Dapper up. fellow. Oh my God. I was I was big on it being a dapper fellow and I love being a dapper fellow and I still really enjoy that. But I feel like my body's changed a bit. You know, COVID weight is is, is a real thing. You know, I've had top surgery also since that time. So everything's are different. And so I'm just finding my style again. And I don't know what I would say about it right now. I, I'm not sure I have words for it. Uh, I know I will find it. But I think when I find it this time, it's going to be a little more unique. It's going to be a little more like there's going to be a lot more custom clothing made. I, I want to be in my own lane style. So I don't I'm still yeah. exploring that. So I'm not sure I would say about it. But if there's an event, I will put on a suit at the drop of a hat. I love getting dressed up, <laughs> and stepping out in a town and looking hot. So I'm ready. Yeah, for that. I'm always ready for that.
1: Love outshining the groom at a wedding.
2: <laughs> always <laughs> <laughs> is what I live for. <laughs> and I'm glad you said it. I didn't want to say it first, but I do love doing that.
1: No, I think that's our job as queer people, just to keep the straights in line.
2: Right. You gotta be guys are getting too comfortable. You gotta, they gotta be like guys. You can't like, let them feel superior. Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta step out, guy. Like you're don't don't get too comfortable. Like, you know. I'm I'm coming up on the I'm coming up in the rear here. Be careful. <laughs> uh
1: this is great. Well, how should people who are interested and in maybe going on a date with you, how should they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch?
2: Okay, yeah. So I think you can find me on my Instagram, which I think is going to change at some point. But I'm using right now Phil underscore aka underscore Corinne. And that's C-O-R-I-N-N-E. Yeah, if you send me a message there, you like what you heard, you're like, that Phil sounds interesting. Send me a message. That's where you can find me.
1: And are you looking for New
2: York-based people only? Are you open to long distance? No, I've done the long distance thing yeah. plenty of times. Please be New York-based because I I've done the long distance thing. I'm not not interested in that. I mean, it, listen, you can find wonderful people everywhere, but I just I I am looking for ease at this point in my life. I'm yeah, 54 for God's sakes, people. I want ease. <laughs> be in New York.
1: Are you also open to people looking for maybe just casual hookups or are you looking
2: more for relationship? Good good question. I'm not a casual hookup person. Um so I I don't I'm I'm not saying we have to go, you know, I need to be just with people who are just um relationship people, but at least they need to be just like people who are interested in dating. I'm not a casual hookup person. It's just never been me. It's I often wonder how people can do it, but I'm like it's just not something that I've been ever good at. So No hookups, please.
1: (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Well, Phil, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. I think you're such a catch. So I'm excited for our listeners to either, you know, pitch themselves to you or send their cute femme friends your way. (laughs)
2: Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I really enjoy it. I love what you're doing for the community. This is awesome. I know you also do a live show, so I got to pop into that and 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 check that out at some point. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Thank you, Phil. So I'm actually already working on trying to set Phil up with a past guest of this podcast. Can you guess who? I mean everything they said, they give great advice. They're very easy to talk to, very wise has uh, interesting and good perspectives on things. So check out Phil. Uh, check out Phil's work in podcasting. some really great stuff there too. And thank you for listening. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn on Instagram. You can follow the pod account to see clips and images at Love's a Pitch. If you want, you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's always a very nice thing that you can do for me and for the community. Why not? And this podcast is produced and edited by Caitlin White. Music is by Velico. Thank you so much for listening. Now I'm going to go make uh, follow up plans to hang out with Phil again because last time was so much fun.
0: Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf wine coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.